Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast. Today is episode 27. And my beautiful guest today is Ruth McGill, an acclaimed actress, classically trained singer, vocal and singing coach, and a death doula. Combining these skills and attributes to alchemize vocal embodiment and healing. And that is a beautiful bio, if I do say so myself for you, Ruth. You're very welcome. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Sharon. Thank you so much. It's so lovely to be here. And lovely to have you here. So, Ruth, um, going back, I always say how I met people, you know, and um, for me, meeting people has a huge impact on me. I remember details about people. I remember where I met them. And of course, I met you because you were in college, in Trinity College, with my sister, Andrea Kelly. Mm. And I remember going to visit her on many occasions and going out with all you lunatics, but mm. also... <laughs> But also attending some of your beautiful shows, you know, and just seeing you in your element, all of you, and bringing that story across and bringing the emotion across. I was in awe of all of you, you know, and this is Mm. something that you had chosen to do and it was extremely hard. And people just see you on the stage and think it's just about learning a few lines but your course in Trinity was extremely hard. It ripped you apart, put you back together. There was loads of elements in it and that people don't understand what it is to be an actor, what it is to bring out that story or that performance. There's parts of you in every single bit of it, isn't there? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Because, um, and, and I've been doing so much reflecting on, you know what what is acting and what like what has my acting been and what does it mean um and what is it what what was the what is the main thing that it's always meant to me is connection actually and first that starts with your fellow classmates that was in college it was classmates and then you're they're your castmates because you're in a cast together and then it's that you know it's that beautiful creating these sort of beautiful bonds that you do take a for granted actually after a while after doing them a few times after doing plays if you're lucky enough to be doing them you get you get used to this beautiful bond that you you create with people and then the the wonderful thing is is that connection with the audience where it's an unspoken they're not speaking back to the audience but you're feeling their energy and it's a thing that so many actors talk about when you go off stage you'll either go energy is a bit weird tonight isn't yeah it? or like or um gosh the audience are really what is it tonight they're real and, and they're not like they're not saying things to us but there's yeah. something that we're all picking up on and I just love that um I think it's generosity that that's what it's about it's like generosity of spirit it's generosity of presence you know and you know you don't also you're you're not taken for granted that you know this is people's time to mm. to sit there and, and and to watch this performance so there's so much that's um yeah that I, I just uh, I think it's such a beautiful act mm. acting and yeah. and being you know in the, as part of theater um yeah it's just a whatever that magic unseen thing is is the best that's mm. the thing I love the most about it so yeah it's not just about remembering lines no and I think even when you said there about the audience and the connection and the energy it's so true because we've all been to a bad play and we've all Mm. been to an amazing play so Mm. a lot of the times it can be 
just even the cast members don't click. There isn't a connection between them or the story isn't portrayed a way that the audience understand. And I know some of them are like, even for my sister, you know, she's been in some plays where they're a bit off the wall. And, you know, some of them, we laugh at parts where you're not supposed to laugh. But that was just, oh, it was just, I love that. I love that some audience members got some kind of humor from it and other people just were sitting there going what are you laughing at I don't understand anything about this and I love that because we all interpret things differently mm. and like yeah. you do when you're playing a part you might that part might have been played a million times by different actors all over the world but mm. you're going to bring something unique to it with your own personality with your own acting style with how you're feeling how you're connected to that person, to that character, to the story, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And I was talking to my boyfriend the other evening where we're looking at a, a movie from 2002, Road to Perdition, and just thinking about how, you know, it was a really long movie. And I was like, wow, our sense of, um, of impatience has really grown over the years because now movies are not two hours long. They're an hour and a half and it's pew, 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 scene, yeah. scene, scene, scene. I was like, yeah, but in theater, actually, it is very, it's much more uh, that sense of presence, that sense of bringing the intention of the story each mm. night and bring the audience through it. And each time it's new, each time it's new. Um, uh, and, and you're bringing your humanity to that part. And yes, you don't, you know that it's been played many times before, and that's not even and you're not going, it's not a case of like, now, how do they do it? And how do I do it exactly yeah. like that? That's never no. what's proposed. It's always like, what's going to happen? I don't know. We're going to step into the unknown. And, and it's, it's a, you know, and, and, and if you have that beautiful chemistry where, oh, sorry, my Siri keeps on thinking that I'm talking to her and I'm not. It's always happening. <laughs> That's computer. all right. That's okay. <laughs> um, but, you know, when you have that beautiful um balance between the, a director who really trusts trusts you and then castmates who also where there is that sense of trust and respect it's a oh it's the best it's the best feeling and it doesn't have to be the most like five starred show in all the land it's yeah. just a special show because there was allowance there there was there was license to be creative and that's yeah, yeah. a gift Absolutely. And in so much, that's why I think a lot of people admire people, you know, that act or that sing, you know, and they do it publicly. Like there's loads of us that will sing in the shower and we'll mm -hmm. act at home with our kids, maybe or with our friends. You know, we all act. I said we're all playing roles in life anyway. But to do it um, professionally and to go and train it and to do it professionally is huge commitment also, you know, and it has to be something I've the, again a calling it has to be something that you really want to do it's not just to be famous it's something because it's extremely hard work you know and I know that only from my own sister you know so it's I mm. watched her and some days it's like oh and other days it's just the love of it mm. you know and I that for all of you and I say to many people though you know that we don't have to be on a stage but when mm. you look at somebody on a stage and you think about all the weeks and months of work they put into it and they want to show this person this character and they're bringing the whole story together that a lot of our life is like that you know that if we imagine I do this when I'm guiding people in meditation quite a lot Ruth I say to them imagine that you are the lead actor 
and you're on that stage and who you want around you and what you're doing and what those people are helping and connecting you with, how is that changing your life? You know, that we're all directing our own lives in many ways with our energy. Yeah. So for you, you know, seeing it from the personal side and the professional side, when you went into acting, did you have something in mind of who you wanted to be or how you wanted to be? Where did it start for you, you know, that you wanted to put yourself out there publicly and show your voice, show your true self? It's a, it's a, this is obviously something that I, again, think I've been thinking about the journey to where I went. I grew up in Donegal where there were no theatres, so there was no theatre going or, mm-hmm. so my theatre was the, the rocks behind the house and the grass and, and jumping over rocks that were actually, you know, and in between the rocks was the sea. And so play, you mentioned play earlier, play is like, my zone of joy mm-hmm. <laughs> it is my zone of joy and there is nothing that will uh will it's not even about being always happy it's just the sense of like the idea comes and this happens and we go to the next thing goes to the next thing there's no agenda actually to it it's just pure pure joy mm-hmm. um and i think for me as a child growing up or as a teenager, you know, that sense of like, oh, who will I be or what will I do? And, mm. you know, at one point it was like, oh, oh will I be a, um, uh, an air hostess? You know, that was <laughs> like, I was 12. I was like, I could do that because I like planes. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, I never I never thought about being an actor or and I mean, I was more the singer before I was the actor. Um, that was clear because I guess you hear a voice and then I was singing in church. Um. And even that for me was, that wasn't the most comfortable place to be actually being the singer because I thought, well, I don't want people to think that I think that I'm something important or special. Um, and I really had that sense of like, oh, I Where almost- Where did that feeling come from, Ruth, do you think? Um, because many people have that. I know I said to you at the start, I'll jump in if something mm-hmm. come, jumps out at me. Yeah. Because People see you and they go, oh, you're so confident and you're a singer and you're an actress mm. and you're doing all of this work publicly. But if you go back and said you didn't want other people to think that yeah. you were this better singer or better performer, where did that come from? Um, I, I wonder about it. You know, uh, I definitely remember the feeling coming in. Uh, when I was in primary school that was the first time I sang mm. it was for Easter and the girl who was supposed to be singing I think it was Emily was Emily mm. Emily was supposed to be singing and then she was sick and I think I was I was in fifth class or even fourth class I was quite young mm. and I wasn't aware of what my voice was like or the power actually the power of it mm. I wasn't aware of it um, and so I was asked to sing a solo uh, now the green blade rises uh, for Easter Sunday, and it was beautiful. It's a beautiful piece, actually. It's very uh, minor key, which is my thing. Also, mm-hmm. um, doing that was no problem. The thing of being inside doing it, it was the the thought then about, oh, the people won't be happy that I took her, you know, song or so that sense of feeling like there was a critic because there's there definitely is a strong critic in me, uh, self-critic. 
now I do know that they were her friends were going well, that's not fair that she didn't get to sing but I don't think they were going she's crap or like she doesn't no. deserve this but but I did feel that sense of like oh I, d- I better be careful here I don't want people because of course also I always wanted to be liked yeah. and then I thought well um I was quite a pleaser you know mm-hmm. people pleaser I think I probably still am um but 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 also like I would pick up on people mm. on their energy so I, I actually was right in ways yeah. you know but like, I was very empathetic so I was like oh this is this is tricky and but the the doing the thing was no wasn't a problem it was like the, I I was able mm. to to be in control of, of the doing of the singing it was the person and and this is what I think it is it's like the personhood of me wasn't fully formed to go oh this is a part of me it was more oh this is the thing I do like that thing of like oh what do you do that question yes such a strange question yeah what do you do what do you do I do human Um, I I I do human exactly (laughs) should be first answer I do human I am a human being who does life And with that life, I do this and do yeah. this and do this. Um, so I definitely think that there was a sense of like, there's something here that I have to carry. And to my small to little Ruth, that mm. was quite a, a heavy thing to carry. Mm. And I don't know that I, I always wanted it. I think I, she was always wanting to go, no, no, I just want to be like everyone else but actually this the singer was always going ah song a song a song or you know Mm. inspiration was always calling me and playfulness was um then the actor came uh, just in it it, it was kind of like a by the way you can also do this yeah (laughs) I know I always loved improvisation I did go to to drama class and stuff but that wasn't to be like this drama class was not stage school this was like okay we're all going to line each other's bellies and we're going to start laughing you know yeah. that laugh, laughing exercise I was like this is amazing I love this like that was just heaven for me I still remember I still see myself on that floor at whatever age I was 12 just yeah. going this is just the best it's I allowing yourself to this. just express yeah. and to have fun Fun. and also there and that that beautiful thing about improvisation was that you don't say no mm. to whatever comes up you don't say yeah. no to it which is a beautiful lesson for later on in life of like yeah. notice that feeling going instead of going oh no get away or get rid of it it's like oh that's interesting um but that's going into the into forward into the present but um so yeah the the musicals that we used to do in school or they did very famous my school was for doing these musicals now famous in our drama yeah. like, <laughs> when I say famous very um, good. but they were beautiful shows and uh the team the the singing singing teacher my singing teacher was the music uh person and then the English teacher was did all the directing mm. so it was Annie Get Your Gun was coming up and I was in junior third year and my mom was all like, oh, you should definitely go for that. I was like, oh, God, OK, will I? Oh, gosh. And I auditioned and I got the part of Annie. And, and nothing about that was like, oh, this is the main part. This is the most important. In fact, it was all about like, I'm not the most important player here, which was a good instinct to have because mm-hmm. I wasn't. And I very much wanted to be like, no, this is collaborative. This is like about having fun. And mm-hmm. and but that went very well. And people probably did go oh she's she's good at this but I think I even went oh, I 
I didn't go like oh I'm really good at this but I really loved it yes. and then and then two years later Greece the musical was going to be done and I actually repeated a year that was all my mom she was oh. going you know what we'll do you'll repeat the year so you won't be nearly even certain year and you won't have to worry about that yeah <laughs> that's amazing my mom was amazing like wow. she knew like yeah. she knew I didn't but mm. she did she uh, could see it in you she, she could, could see the joy and the talent she was probably going, this poor girl is never going to be an accountant. She's not going to be an accountant. Not no. that she was thinking this poor girl, but like, yeah, you know, it, it, I definitely wasn't the accountant. I wasn't the solicitor because these are what my my brother and my sister, that's what yeah. they, like they had this like this sense of like, oh, this is what I'm really good at. This is what I do. Mm. And what was I? I got it. I was really good at playing, mm. at being a really good friend, at being like. Uh, a friend to lots of people I was never a clicky person mm. so that sense of collaboration and just fun and uh yeah so it all started from there mm. I mean it was my mom who told me about the trinity course I didn't even you know no yeah she's like oh it's a very good course you know only 12 people get in and yeah. it's like okay and so I I went either it was going to be uh, I was going to be an opera singer or I was going to be an actress and I went for both courses and I didn't get them on the first round but they said please come back next year and so I went for both and I got both wow. and then the decision was mine and my parents did say it's up to you it's up to you so I went I think I actually do remember I was on it was on a payphone on Grafton Street going are you sure so okay so I'm going to make up my mind and I remember I actually do remember going I'm definitely going to have better crack doing the acting. The acting. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd met Andrea yeah. uh, in the, uh, the audition. And I do remember going, oh, God, I really like her. She's oh. Great. oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So do you think your decision was influenced by that, you know, saying, I think I'll have better fun with the yeah. acting course then the, even though both and I always say that things happen sometimes we get a job offer we get a, an acting role and then we get another one the same day or two days later and it's like oh which one you yeah. know and there mightn't have been that offer and I see kids and saying oh I have so many choices now and I always say just where you started from Ruth because I think that's very important go back to that younger self and where did it start from and it started with the playfulness and the joy and wanting to be around lots of people and you know your voice being so powerful so we have all of these little signs and signals even from when we're a child but we cast them away as if oh that's just child's play mm. but if we look back and you just talking about it it's kind of saying well now because we know who you are and what you do it's like signs were there constantly and thank mm. goodness that your mom spotted your talent instead of saying well I prefer if you did the accountancy or something yeah. she spotted and she helped to nurture that beautiful talent that you had and helped you grow but in the end it was your final decision to pick between the singing and the acting it was and yeah you're so right it, it was like that that because I'd been in the academy they'd they'd said well you could do this course for a year and so I got the chance to be in the academy now nothing to do with I didn't do anything in Trinity but I did do an acting course like an adults whatever yeah. one evening a week and I loved that so I was getting a bit of both uh, in terms of experience but I was also getting to experience the academy of music and going I don't know like the energy of that place I even still remember remember that sense of like I don't feel like I'm fully I didn't feel like I was fully myself mm. in it 
and that I would have been playing actually the part of the musician, the, mm. the opera singer. But I was like, and I just, I knew, I knew something wasn't just yeah. right about it. Um, but I was really lucky in that I was placed with Veronica Dunn for that year, yeah. Ronnie Dunn. And then she kept me on even when I went to, to Trinity. So I actually, I got the huge benefit of working with her because actually she was the main, like it was just incredible to work with her. So incredible. Um, and I think I felt okay, even it was good, even now it's good of me to know that I wasn't going, oh, I better do that to please her. Mm. And I didn't feel like she was putting any of that pressure on me actually either. She was a really good guide. She probably knew that maybe I wasn't going to do that course either but yeah. knew that I had the, the talent so yeah it's interesting that decision I, I think about it a lot and I go yeah I made the right one I think yeah yeah because many decisions in our life and we've all made them and it's brought us on a different path and people say I shouldn't have made that decision and I'm going well if you didn't make that decision it wouldn't have brought you to this place and that place meeting certain people even though it mightn't be where you ended up but yeah. there was loads learned along the way. But it yeah. is a hard thing. And again, it, I, I always say that it doesn't matter what we do in our career lives. You know, it's about those personal choices that we have to make a decision. We have to try and connect with that part of us and say, mm. which part is going to bring the most joy? Yeah. You know, and you answered that question by saying, I want to do the acting and you could still you know, work with Ronnie and you could still, you know, do your voice work, all of that. But you listen to that beautiful guide, which so many people push aside and they go, well, it's not about fun. Mm. And you're going, well, if you don't get joy out of your work and you're doing that for a bigger percentage of your life mm. than you're doing anything else, what is it about? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, <laughs> I still would make the same choice. Choice. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. definitely yeah good so from that choice and meeting all your beautiful because there was only the 12 of you wasn't it in the class wasn't you know it? it was I think it was 14 and oh, then by it? the time we finished it was 12 yeah because two people had dropped out yes then. so the 12 of you became like a little family <laughs> and you know again I used to hear the stories and when I met you personally but I heard about the hard work and it wasn't just you know, students having a great time. You did party hard when you could, but you worked extremely hard. Mm. There was parts of it where you really had to let go of yourselves, where you really had to work on pushing aside, you know, those pretenses, you know, and who we think we are. And we're not sure. And we're trying to find out about ourselves. What was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself, Ruth, but also was one of the hardest things to learn about yourself? Ah, in that process, I think actually it was a, such a good teacher in, in telling me not to try being someone else, because that's kind of what I thought. I think I, that's what I thought acting was, was being someone else. Um, I was great at putting on accents and all this kind of stuff. I thought that that's what I what acting was was putting on lots of accents and and actually I remember my first Christmas tutorial the very first one I still remember my god um and they went Ruth we just we don't know what's happened but we're just not seeing the person that we saw in the audition and 
we don't know what, 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 what's going on. And I, it was such a shock to me. I thought I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah. It's great. I'm doing all the like, <laughs> but they were like, no, no, we, we want to see you. Mm. And that was kind of like, Oh my God. And I can, I'm actually getting a shiver even thinking yeah. about it because it was like, Oh, but you couldn't possibly want to see me. Just me. Yeah. 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 That was a huge, huge lesson that wasn't about you could do this better, you could do that. They were just saying, no, no. It, it was kind of like you that thing of you are you are enough. Yeah. yeah. And but you're not seeing that that. So then you're putting all these appendages on all these things to make to what you think is making it better, but it's actually making it making it yeah. worse and I remember the the bus trip home I was devastated I was so devastated I think I thought oh I failed I failed mm-hmm. but actually what they were doing was waking me up <laughs> actually and they did me such a huge favor um I mean it didn't go instantly like it took a long time to ground into my own body you know that was actually the main thing I just didn't want to be in in this body I didn't like the look of it and like that's feel of it you know literally thought I was just this yucky like oh why would they be why would they want you know what what would they see that's good in me Mm. um I was in that awkward (laughs) phase of life you know that obviously we you have to go through it it's like the no no mud no lotus you know that Mm -hmm. that saying um so I was definitely in the I was yeah I was in in the pond water the deep dark pond water and then in second year, yeah, I w- we were doing uh, the cherry orchard and we called it the, the very awkward. <laughs> That's what everyone was calling it, the very awkward. And, and I was given, I had to share a part. I had to share a part. And I was like, I don't want to share a part. I want to, you know, that idea of like loads of lines meant that you were, you know, I'd forgotten the thing yeah. that when I was younger that actually was like, no, let's make this about, this is all about collaboration. But I think we were all a little bit of, probably mm-hmm. had a bit of that tension mm-hmm. so none of us were like all going don't worry hey we're all like holding on to our peace you know yes and I remember it was second the second act and I was working with Pa uh Pa Ryan yeah. wonderful Patrick and um I was doing this scene and, and that's Anya uh, and she has to say goodbye to the orchard and I was doing everything I, I was it was I know that I was automated I, even thinking about it and remembering it now, I know that what teacher was seeing and what she was trying mm. to ease me away from was being this automated, controlled. It was like, no, no, don't, don't control. <laughs> you know, yeah. hard to hard to learn yes. to do to not control. Um, and then she said the simplest thing. She said, Ruth, just look out, look out at the orchard look out at the orchard that's all she said that's all she needed mm. to say and I looked out and it was the beautiful uh, dance dance room in Trinity and it is a beautiful space so actually it, it helped maybe if I was in one of the other not so nice rooms there would have been something else that actually maybe the orchard would have turned a bit uglier but it was so beautiful and then so sad and then the lines the words that came to that character were um were kind of steeped in this like oh my orchard my orchard and then I went 
And again, I'm getting a shiver. It was like, oh, okay. now I guess it's what acting is. It's not, yeah. okay. And then I realized how very powerful and beautiful. Sorry, my dog is. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have dogs and cats out. always on our podcast here. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, I, I, that's where I kind of, I came in, I think I probably came, landed back into my body again. And then I went, oh, okay. So everything inside here yeah. is like this inner wisdom, this sense of like everything I need is here. Yeah, it's not out here. Yeah. And I think we learn that route. That's something that we're all learning. As you said, we try to stick on different people or personas as we're coming from teenage years, going developing into adulthood. And we're trying to be and maybe mimic other people or what we've seen in society. And as you said, it's a huge growing process. You know, mm. people think, oh, you're 21, 22. You kind of, you know who you are then. I think, no, I think we have a lot of growing still to do and develop as we're mostly getting in and up into our 30s. I think we're, re- and even now when I'm 50 this year, mm. and I feel like I'm kind of now falling into who I truly am. I've yeah. learned how I want to be true to myself. And that's all through what I've been learning all through my life. Mm. And I think with you, that's why I always think it's very interesting in looking at somebody portraying or feeling the character of somebody else. Many people are not on stage and they're doing that and they're trying to be somebody else or be something else. So for you to say to come back and to fall back into your body, that's the hardest place for us all to be. Yeah, because it can it? it can be uncomfortable there. Yeah, it's that thing of like, yeah, but no, but I don't. Yeah, but okay, yeah. let's yeah. see what happens. Um, I'm just going to open the door to let my dog yeah. out. She's yeah. going to be annoying us otherwise. Okay, let's out. She's. They know what they want. Dogs know what they <laughs> That's need. All right, want. that's okay. <laughs> don't worry about it. Done. <laughs> so there you are yes and I said because I had another guest on Damien um the week before last maybe and his dog kept barking and everything and I said dogs are part of our life they want to be in when they see us talking they want to be in that energy so I am animal friendly it's fine (laughs) (laughs) but yes coming back to you know you and as I said being in our own body and being comfortable in Mm. that space and learning so much about yourself, you know, that's a huge learning process. Did you ever, was there ever a moment where you were so present, you know, even now recently, where you ever been so present and went, I am really so happy and so joyful, just without doing anything in particular, but just being you in that moment? Yeah, I think I'm probably from the last year that it's been obviously there's been no there's been no acting or or anything Mm -hmm. like that and I actually think my and I have been reflecting on this as well because I do group singing uh classes with people and I get so much joy from those sessions because like my intention with those sessions and my intention always with any kind of singing and I say teaching in inverted commas because I don't consider like I've never wanted to be like teaching someone to be like I never wanted to perfect someone's voice or make them better I just wanted I wanted people to have a space where their voice could be allowed Mm. and feel that sense of see where 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 is possible where can you go with this um 
And so that that intention is rooted in those uh, group sessions. And honestly, that like and I do comment on it to them. I go, gosh, it's just so beautiful to spend an hour and a half with these people through this virtual screen and 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 know because you're getting the feedback that they're like sensing this openness happening for their their voice for their lives because it's our voice you know it's a uh, and so that yeah for me uh, definitely I've noted that it's I think it's definitely saved me from any sense of like impending doom on the the pandemic side of things you know it's really kept of this like beautiful floating sense of like oh all is well all is okay even though I know it's not fully well I know it's not all okay it doesn't have to be all okay but it's like okay we can we can help ourselves here we can help ourselves to to stay afloat at least anyway And again, I feel that connection, you know, is that even working with others, holding the space, creating that space, allowing people to express themselves, you're giving them that space, you're giving them, you're guiding and supporting them, I suppose, and helping them to be able to express. For me, voice is hugely healing. Mm. I, I When I work with people, it, one of the first things that they have trouble with is being able to express mm. what is wrong, what's going on don't mind you know to have the words or to express the emotions it's just to open the voice and say I need help or I need support or I can't speak about it that Mm. to me is huge so when we can express and open our mouth to say I need help I feel this way I I want to connect with you that to me is hugely powerful Mm. and I had a um, guest on last week and she spoke about the grief Mm. of losing her mother and grief of her marriage breaking down and the only way she felt safe in being able to express through her voice was joining a choir and singing oh beautiful yeah so the songs weren't about her they were just songs to express and she said she was feeling joyful but so sad and lonely at the same time but it was a safe space to do that yeah, I just thought that was so powerful, you know, that she had to find a space, but some people don't know where to find that space. Mm-hmm. They don't know where to go, where they can be both joyful or they feel guilty about being joyful as well as really sad and lost and lonely because mm-hmm. of that person that they have loved. And we'll come back to you because I want to move on to the holding space. As I said, mm-hmm. there's so much, Ruth, and I did say that to you <laughs> beforehand, and I just love um everything is flowing with you and that is Mm. due to your character and to your work as well but when your own mom passed or even leading up to the passing for you how were you able to express were you able to speak with your mom was it an open conversation you know what was it like telling other people um well interestingly when uh, gosh I'm like going I'm like, do I remember this? Yes, of course. Yes, yeah. you do remember this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, so I had my son, Charlie. My dog is just being so annoying. I'm That's okay. That's outside. all right. Don't oh worry about it. She's just getting in the way. <laughs> That's okay. Dogs like to, they hear you talking, so they want to be involved. <laughs> so I'm yes. going to eat all the plants. That's okay. All the plants. Um. Okay. 
So coming back to you and your mom before she passed or even that leading up to it. Yeah. Um, so I had Charlie in 2006. Um, my mom had been sick since 2001 uh, with cancer. And um, so it was that familiar trope, uh, I'm sure, for many cancer patients uh, where you have the treatment, the radiotherapy, and then you're like, oh, I think, I think, you know, you know, good for a few years and then things start to, to come back in and a little bit more and a little bit more. And, you know, you're still, I, I was, I was only still very young. Um, and even though I say I came back into my body that time, but that was the actor, Ruth, the, the daughter took a much longer to come into the sense of even of like, what, what's happening? Because, um, um, it, yeah, I think it was Christmas time or after Christmas time. Um, you know, there, there was a sign that this was not going, not going well for mum, um, and in a scan and, uh, and still there was like, oh, the third, it'll this be the third now chemotherapy round. You're like, okay. Um, and I was about to start rehearsals for um, Sweeney Todd in the Gate Theatre. Now I was going to be in the, in the chorus, uh, but I was very happy about it. And she was very happy about it too. Um, and I had a baby. So mm -hmm. it was kind of like, like, that's why I was going like, did that all happen? That's crazy. <laughs> um that I was doing so much but it, but um yeah and and then after Charlie's christening Charlie was christened in early March and I'd already start rehearsals and then mum had started her this was her third mm. chemo uh and that didn't go well from the first from the first go and her body her body was tired you know um and uh yeah, his christening was the 4th of March. She went back to Donegal the next day. And then literally in the middle of the week, she was back in Sligo Hospital. She'd never been to Sligo Hospital before. So it was a kind of an emergency need to get her there. That's the last time she left her house without probably fully processing that, mm. I imagine, but probably knowing in a way too. Um, and so she was very sick and then she was brought up to Vincent's uh, private in Dublin. And that's where the, it wasn't even fear. It was like, what, what's this? What's, mm -hmm. what's going on? What's happening to mom? Um, and I don't know, I don't think I was in denial, but I don't think I fully knew that she was that sick. In, or 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 my protective mm. mind went she's gonna be fine she's gonna be fine uh as in she's gonna live live forever and mm. you know it's never gonna be uh and so I remember the moment that my dad went we need to get Phil and that's my aunt my mm. wonderful aunt and I remember that moment and I, I remember going oh thank god thank god because we needed Phil. We needed Phil. And uh, Phil is my dad's sister. Yeah. And she came from Germany. She flew over 
and she couldn't come soon enough and uh, she headed straight to the hospital to mum. And at first it was tending to mum in terms of like how she was whole, whole grasping in a lot of tension in the body, obviously because of pain, but also emotional. But she was able to see that. Now I see that that's yes. emotional. And my aunt was there to just to bring her through uh, relaxations. She would do that every evening with her and do some reflexology and, and it helped worked, you know, one was finding more ease, pain, uh, pain medication was working with more ease mm. and she would come home to me every evening um, and sort of tell me how she was and, but we knew, you know, after she was there, mum was in Vincent's probably less than a week. We were told it would be two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when I say two weeks, I'm like two weeks of two weeks to what? Yeah. Like I knew, but I didn't know. Yeah. Um, but I I knew, but I didn't want to know. Yeah. Um, but my aunt was able to create this sense of being 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 with all of it, being with what's not expressible and then what is and what just seeps out and fears and she was able to just kind of hold all of it yeah and guide us and not tell us at all what to do but guide us to like our better like bring us back into our bodies because Mm. you know when you're it with it is a kind of trauma when yeah you know your mother's like very much up here yeah Yeah. that Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, uh, so she was able to bring us all back into our bodies and helped us to um, let mum go. Mm. But in terms of conversations with mum, there was no, there was no mention of death for mum because she never wanted mentioning of death. Did she fear death? You know, I I actually don't think that she did, but I think as a mother, and it's something that Phil said to Andrea and Andrew, my sister, she always remembered it. She said, you know, the mother never wants to leave her children. Uh, So I think that was what she was afraid of Mm -hmm. and of us not being okay or, Mm -hmm. you know, and I totally understand that as 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 mother like and that's something that I've I think about like actually a lot of this work of being a deaf doula is about Charlie is about um preparing the ground work so that when it is my time to go and hopefully it is before him uh all being well that that, that there will be a support system within himself yeah. first and foremost um and then obviously in in community with those mm. who love him um but yeah you know so no actual conversations about death or dying but very much about you've been a, a wonderful mother mm. and thank you and and thank god for those mm. moments and that wouldn't have happened if Phil wasn't there 
yeah. you know, if she hadn't guided us yeah. towards that. Because it's also that thing of like, can I do that? You know, you're, it's like that thing of like with grieving people where the person's name is not mentioned anymore because people don't yeah. want to upset you. And you're like, well, you couldn't possibly upset me by mentioning their name because it, it's already ups- it's actually yeah. even more upsetting that when you don't not- mention them yeah. yeah yeah um so yeah it's it's so alive in my mind that time and the and the the journey of it and it's amazing how many emotions you can go through in a, in a day mm-hmm. and in that time frame which was about three weeks from the time that you she got very sick to the point at which she died at which point we were all uh, around her. I was in rehearsals that morning and I got the phone call. I knew it was coming. I remember I was having my, my, my lunch in the Thai, where was it called? It's on the Thai, Thai Palace, I think it is. Mm-hmm. I'm forgetting the name, but, uh, um, and I had my old phone beside me as I, was, as I was eating, nervously not really able to eat. And then the phone rings, it's my sister. And she's like, it's time to come in now. And I got a taxi. And I think I even said to the taxi man, I'm, I'm going to see my mother because she's she's dying. Oh. Uh, that sense of like, this is what's yeah. happening. This is what's it's real. This is and even happening. you saying it again, there's your voice expressing it. Not necessarily to the taxi man. Maybe you needed to hear it yourself mm-hmm. out loud. You saying oh, yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, I needed to. Mm. I need to, to prepare myself yeah. to be saying it because that's what was happening you know um and I was there and uh I sang for her sang um as I was singing I was wanting to guide her on her way I sang amazing grace to her and and other people around the space as well and that was like if my way of gifting to her and also sending my love to her, but going like, it's okay. It's okay to go. Um, and, and when she did go, it was, I do say it was very beautiful because there was an acceptance. I understood then because my aunt explained to me what was happening to her body and what was, this is, this energy is going, this, the water energy, she doesn't need water anymore. You know, I was like, oh, that was so helpful because then I could understand how tired she was, how tired her body was. Mm. Um, but the person, the, the person, the, the soul mm. is, is was large. It's like, it's that thing that you probably have heard. It's like, it expands. It's like, yes. it's one, it's, and, it and stretches out. <laughs> yeah. And she still, she still is. Yeah. She's expansive now. She's mm. like, she's here she's in the plants I see here she's then all beautiful things that I see and hear and you know um yeah so beautiful Mm. and again you know very part of you and everything you're doing because um I read a lovely quote someday and it said with all the grief that you carry for somebody go out and share their love with the world Mm. that's how we honor them the most Mm. and that's how we help to 
show our love you know or to Mm. keep that love alive and even speaking about them and saying their name it's to talk about them often Mm. to bring them up in conversation and again I think that's maybe I'm not sure if it's just an Irish or it's a worldwide thing that we tend to not speak about those that have passed and in Mm. fear of you know we would upset them and as you said not mentioning them sometimes is more upsetting and wanting to speak about them and share stories and even if it is just to cry beside that person that that should be okay with all Mm. of us too where did it where did it ever come in that we should not be able to show our emotions at any time in our lives Mm. Mm. I mean I do like like in the work that I'm want to you know when mm. I say the work and I, I don't I feel like it really is vocational uh mm. the work of being a death doula um like it is having com- I think having conversations about death or the pathway to are is a wonderful pathway of understanding how complex grief is and and let and giving ourselves compassion for the ways in which it's so very uh, layered and 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 just like you know all of our lives and and we start to kind of I don't know just give give more space to it and and let yeah. it be the messy kind of you know shape shifting thing that it is um because I think maybe the the not talking of the person's name is because oh but that means like even that sense of like the, you know the the language of like passed on or mm. they the, you know lost this world you know it's like the thing of they died they died you will die yeah. I will die you know it's it's very there's no getting away from the language then when it's like that and that's mm. not to say that it wants to trap you mm. it's like say my name because mm. that's the truth of the matter and that'll help you actually the truth sets you free as opposed to we'll find another way to make it smoother you know Mm. yeah it's so Mm. true and in your work because I know um you know that you were talking about your aunt and your aunt um was so I suppose such a huge part of your mother's passing and probably of your life as well and that led you on and I know that you worked with your aunt as well um, Phil, isn't it? Yes. yes yeah. Philida Annam Ira is her chosen name. Very yeah. good. Beautiful name. And she is the author of the Celtic Book of Dying as mm-hmm. well. And you worked with her and learned so much from her because you wanted to do what made you or what what did you feel? Because I don't say made you, but what where did this decision come from? Where did this flow come from? You said, I feel like I would like to work as a death doula or your aunt calls it a soul midwife you know Mm. what what happened where was this flow from you know because I always say it's stirring within us constantly it's like your choice between the actor and the opera singing this came into your life and where you moved into it how did that happen well the other thing that happened in my teenage years was my grandfather died and uh I was there for his dying process so um uh I was 15 um and it's my grandfather in Donegal John McGill and my aunt obviously was there that's her her father and again it was Phil was very much 
laying the groundwork for this natural, most natural of, of, of events in his life and then, then the family's life. Um, so watching him die, well, the dying process, which took a, a while, you know, it wasn't like um, the breath suddenly went, you know, it was like the, the sickness was was for a few weeks and then we knew okay you know mm-hmm. so watching him die also the 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 telling him again was the ritual of letting him go of saying it's okay to go and it's amazing mm-hmm. when you do that how yes. much the person does because they're wait they're like but what if you don't oh you you're okay are you ready you're okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah which is so full of love really mm-hmm. in that person and that's like it's so powerful and I still remember his you know that that happening where it's okay it's okay dad you know from my dad and, and mm. my uncle and my aunts and, and I, I said it's okay grandad you know and feeling that like oh like we're family mm. <laughs> like it's so like this really this matters what we're doing here it's really healing and it's really like it feels like ancestral mm-hmm. healing as well of like we're all here and we know that, that there, there's loads of people here actually mm-hmm. um so that obviously had a huge f- effect on me and seeing my dad and his ease with his grief too of showing his grief mm. he was never my dad's never uh shielded or veiled tears mm. which is a beautiful quality um, that he's always had. Um, so that experience with my granda and then obviously mum's experience, I always remember just going like, everyone should have a fill. Um, yeah. Like we should not be without fills uh, <laughs> for these moments in our life. Yes. And so, and then as the years were going on, like it had always kind of come to me and I have a beautiful relationship with my aunt and we both sing. And so our, mm. we have this lovely synchronicity and um, it's just gorgeous. Um, and then it was about two, two and a half years ago or so, or two years ago, um, I was actually listening to a podcast uh, with Elizabeth Gilbert, you know, mm. the, the writer, yeah. I love um, author. She was speaking about when she uh, was with her partner when she was dying. Um, I'm forgetting her name, but um, I forget her name, but it yeah. was a beautiful, I think she was talking to Brené Brown actually. Um, and she was talking about bringing her partner to the bridge to the point at which Elizabeth could not go any further, but where her partner, her partner could moved yeah. on. And just in the way that she she told that story and it not been like all like roses and it was mm. just like because her partner had been an addict and so morphine had to be used from, you know, crazy, whoa, you know, but yeah. that's t- and tumultuous and, you know, there was no going quietly into that dark night yeah. for, her, for a long time. But, yeah. but then but there was, there was, and then there was the, the, the sense of peace that was coming into her that she could really sense that that, that she was going to be okay and bringing her to that point and it just I remember walking and just like being in tears but not of like sadness going like that is so beautiful mm-hmm. I and I, I literally I was going I want to be that mm-hmm. I want to be that for for I want to be able to not not that I will be there to but like mm-hmm. to enable other people so that they can do that for the person that they love yeah. 
And then about five minutes, I'm not even joking, five minutes later, my wonderful friend, Ruth Smith, um, and we're singers in uh, the Everdyne together, sent me, I got this ping on my phone through Facebook. And she said, I just saw this. And I thought about you and your aunt. And it was death doula training in Sligo. It was going to be that August. So that was two August wow. ago. And I was like, oh, sweet Lord. Like, wow like I'm getting synchronicity yes pure synchronicity and I was like that is amazing like I couldn't stop thinking about it all day so I instantly got in touch with uh, Alexandra from the red tent doulas and I I spoke and explained you know my my story and I didn't even think to go on her website and and then after sending it went on her website and I saw that my aunt is actually one of the people that she really like like finds great source of inspiration yeah. from and I was like this is just wow oh all God. connected again all connected yes yeah so yeah um so it was a long time a long time coming um but it's interesting how I really do see how it's linked into again coming back to the, the voice yeah uh, thing with the, the the singing work and that sense of and it, like opening up what is possible to a person in terms of how, like what sounds they will make. And they don't have to be nice, inverted commas, nice or good mm. sounds. They're just, they're your sounds, you know, mm. they're, and they're, they're from you and they're coming from the creative part of you that maybe hasn't been allowed to, to mm. be available. Um, and yeah, I see how the work with, the voice is very connected to very. this as well because uh, there's a there's a quote of Brendan Canelli's. he talks about writing and it's to do with like writing uh, about how he says you should write as though you're already dead mm. and I think about singing uh, to sing as though you're already dead because we're so that sense of being afraid of what others will think how it'll be received and that that's why you're doing it in the first you know like that's not why we ever sang mm. to begin with way back yes. beyond before we even spoke we sang yeah. to oh, you know keen yeah. to, to express the what was not expressible with words um so i really see the see the link mm-hmm. and then the the acting that sense of being in collaboration yeah. is about picking up on what oh where are you going okay there's that yeah. happening you know and working so, with, yeah it's so lovely what it brings me back to and I keep having this image of it in my mind is going back to a time when there was no televisions or even mm-hmm. wirelesses maybe in a lot of homes and the big open fire and the laying out of the body in a family home and the family gathering and the neighbors gathering and they sitting and they sharing stories mm-hmm. around the person as before or during and afterwards But again, there was always people coming in. Like if I even think in my own house, there was a neighbor coming in that made soup and sandwiches. Mm. There was always somebody helping to nourish you or to, you know, make someone a cup of tea or look somebody looking after somebody else. And I know with COVID that has been taken away from everybody. Mm. It doesn't matter where you are in the world. It's been taken away from everybody. But it's something that's kind of been lost along the way as well, even before COVID, And it made us realize how important that time 
spending with somebody that is transitioning Mm-hmm. And they are, you know, leaving the physical. And that's a very hard place for some people to be. They really, mm-hmm. they can't understand it. They can't grasp it. They don't want that. Their person is, is. it's always mm-hmm. going to be your person that they don't want them to leave. But it's really coming back to our own awareness, as you said, about speaking about dying and that we are all going to die. And that the ones that we love the most are going to depart from our lives in some shape or form over time. Mm. And that we need to have an openness about that also, I think, an awareness. And that it's okay that, you know, you speak about your mom and even knowing that. And, but somewhere inside it was not denial, but not wanting to express it truthfully. Yeah. Yeah. And the families, when they come together, Ruth, like having your Phil, your lovely mm. Phil, when you were there, she was there to help and nurture you, to be able to express and to guide you. And that many families don't have that and they mightn't have an openness and there's controlling and denial mm-hmm. and trying to make everything happen. That bringing in somebody like you, a death doula, could really help that family have a healing process even before their loved one transitions. Absolutely, absolutely. Because, you know, that idea of being the holding space is like I will hold what feels murky and let it be murky because it's murky Mm -hmm. don't unmurky it because there's something to be learned from the murkiness but if that can be you know because I think so much hurt happens in times you know many books that I've read and of course you hear it too you you it's that it's it's what what comes out will be rage when when there's like little children inside all of those people and even if there's like awful things being you know it's hard it's hard it's very difficult when we don't but also we've been separated from each other and when you're talking about covid definitely is separated but we've already yeah we we have not been in communion with death and its naturalness um, for such a long time. So then we see it as this such such a threat yeah. on our humanity where it's like we it, it is not a it is not trying to to harm us. It is very sad and it is oh like it it, it is heartbreaking and there's no getting away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, it is there to teach us something very, very beautiful. Um, and the people who are dying know that mm. they know like that the regrets of the dying are the saddest things, you know, that, that, uh, yes. that study that was done like that. It's so sad. And you wouldn't wish that for, we wouldn't wish that for anyone that they would have those kinds of regrets that were like the most simplest of things of like, being happy content with yourself being happy with what you already had as you know so a death doula can be a holding space for for the murkiness mm-hmm. and and there is hope that within that is a place where even if it's a connecting space of you're being heard that no one has been shunted off or mm-hmm. get them back or that that they're being being listened to and and also being aware of how powerful this moment is it can be charged 
and we could change that charging because mm. charging might feel like we're going to do something but mm. like oh feel the power of this moment is because of what is because of what behind it all mm. is definitely that there's love or it's that it's love that was not given freely or was mm. with condition and and it's okay to to say that yeah. you know to uh, even if it's for yourself that you need to say well that person did not love me uh, unconditionally mm. okay how does like that's how did you want like the, that's that that's yeah. hardship and that's not gonna that's not gonna go away in its own either so if, if there's a way to create a sort of um a cauldron a space of what can we trans mm. transmute what can we find of all this richness of all of life it feels like when someone's dying like all of life is in the room yes. the joy the happiness the heart-wrenching everything is there and it can be hard to decipher one thing for another and you're exhausted so yeah uh, a doula can be there to listen to the questions and mm. maybe bring the questions back out you said this you asked yeah. that what does everyone else think you know yeah because you're impartial to their the the family mechanics mm. so you can go I I hear this you're observing all yes yes yeah and it it for well again while you were talking what came into my head it was like a mediation between life and death it was like you were mediating the living you know with mm. all of a sudden this what they're faced with and I think a lot of people when the loved one is passing it's letting them face their own mortality and that yeah. this is happening and then as you said it's the regrets and the fears and the doubts and not expressing how they felt and nobody said sorry and you're here and you were never here and now we're all together and we're supposed to be mm. this happy family and yeah. you know do this joyous thing and I say to most people usually when somebody is passing it's when a lot of things are brought to the surface mm -hmm. as you said there's screams and shouts and temper tantrums and anger it arises and people think then you're selfish because this is happening but it's a way again of expressing yourself mm -hmm. but I think like that you having that holding the space for them as the death doula is a safer way you could be the mediator between life and death if you like in a very yeah. calm you know that you're not having to direct them almost but just allowing the energy but maybe helping them to mm -hmm. direct their flow of intention really with mm. what they want to say or how yeah. they need to say it in that moment yeah being being heard and you know instead of making it all better going that must be really hard mm. acknowledging yeah acknowledge because sometimes yeah. that's just yeah that is really yeah. yeah it is and then something else you know yeah. that what is it that I think Tara Brock I don't know if you know you mm. probably know Tara Brock she she got then this from another study but how an emotion only lasts about its journey through our body is about 30 seconds mm -hmm. or something but what makes it last is the story we put on that yeah. and so if it's something that it's like oh well there's this and there's this and actually something else might want to come out yes yeah. so we go oh that's you're very angry with that yeah. that must that must feel very tight inside your body well you would like it if it was so tight no I probably I wouldn't like it if it was so tight and yeah. god that must is there a way you can let that yeah. is there a way to like something physical you can do for that yes. or, you know yeah 
just sort of offering ways. I mean, it's just being human with someone. I'm not a therapist and I'm yeah. not, I'm not a psychologist, but I'm, I'm a human being and our bodies tell a lot of the story actually. Yes. Uh, and sometimes the words or the, the chatter that get in the way of the real story. Yeah. Um, so it's listening to the body as much as with dying, dying tells its own story that yeah. the dying process is, is a story of its own, you know, mm. like oh, this, this is happening now and, and this, and, and it is energetic. There's something taking hold. There's a, mm. there's a, there's a destination for this process, you know, yes. wherever for all is. of us, a yeah. destination for everybody involved in that death story. Yeah. And yeah. you said it there, you know, because people say to me, how can you be okay about deaths, you know, and people passing and because I felt them around me, I feel their love and I feel that they've let go of the physical pain and they want so much for us to be joyful, to be mm. playful, to mm. experience the most out of life. And that's why I came back to you from the start and said, when you bring that joy and that playfulness into everything you do, even into being a doula. It's mm -hmm. to bring that joy because for a lot of people, the pain and anger that they're feeling or trying to, you know, repress underneath it is that love underneath mm -hmm. it is wanting to be loved because that's what's underneath everything. It's wanting mm -hmm. to be loved, to be cherished and to be acknowledged mm -hmm. for all of the things we felt we may have missed out on with that person that's now going mm -hmm. to pass or that we will not have after they physically passed from this world but always to find the joy in it and to speak of the great stories and the funny stories. And it's not just all about the passing, mm -hmm. because even with you and your mom, you singing, you know, and I felt such energy, even when you were speaking about singing Amazing Grace to your mom, I could nearly feel her around you so strong, loving the fact that you sang and were able to sing to her. But you did that and you actually helped everybody else in your family as well. Mm. yeah I, it, it was it was what else would I do yeah sing for her because yes, she loved yes. my like she was definitely my number she is mm. my number one fan yeah um and I I I sang her a lullaby when she died um I went back into the room uh when when you know that that strange thing where where mm. she's died and now we all have to leave the room you know that yeah yeah but that's but that strange medicalization yes. I, mean, that's, I mean that's how it happened mm -hmm. and that's and actually it's fine I don't hold yeah. any but um but then I walked back in and and uh and and I sang uh Garten Mother's Lullaby mm. to her which is a Donegal um lullaby and I did sense it was it was like uh you know the expansion is happening for her, not because I'm singing and it's, but it's mm -hmm. like, but it's like, yeah. So I guess whenever I'm thinking about singing, I'm thinking of the fact that it is not for like one ear to hear or to go, oh, it's not beautiful. Cause yes. I, I don't, you're I don't, great. Like, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> I keep crawling. So I was getting like, I wasn't that yeah. great. It was great. It was like just this moment of like, it's happening and it's there. And it's, and it, and even though the song has finished, it's not happening inside here anymore. It's happening. It's reverberating. It's, yes. The vibrations are going yeah. out so yeah. far and wide. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, so I think of her that wings wings of song. She's uh, she's there. Yeah, absolutely, she is. Mm. 
Ruth, it has been an absolute pleasure and um, a beautiful, flowing mm. and gorgeous. Yeah, very much chest. so. Yeah, just yeah. beautiful. And again, I would like to talk more about things, but I think everyone should really absorb what we've spoken about, process it. Mm-hmm. Go and check you out. That's what I always say to people. Go and check out the websites, you know, get to know the person, what it is that's intrigued you in this conversation, what resonated with you yourself while listening to it, mm-hmm. what part of you needs more of the joy or needs more expression or needs to sing out loud, whether it's alone or in a group. And again, maybe, you know, that vocal coaching could help that person express themselves and you mm-hmm. do that listen to your beautiful songs and singing with the Evertides because I've often listened as it's lifted my day every time that I see you singing and hear you all together. And you've also recently started a death cafe, which I know some people will go, what What? in the hell is that stuff? (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to give us just a quick introduction to about what the death cafe is and it's open because it's virtual, isn't it? It it is. I actually had one last Tuesday. So the death cafe is a, is a social um, uh, enterprise really. And it was set up by a man called John, John Underwood, who's now who died actually uh, three years ago mm. um, is set up by himself and his mother. Um, so if you look up deathcafe.com, you'll find out loads about death cafes, but basically there is space to my first ones were in a cafe mm. um, and there was even wine involved in the one right before lockdown where I was possibly putting people's lives in danger. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but no, I didn't. Thank goodness. Yes. Uh, but there's about 20 people crammed into this small little cafe. And I have to say uh, it was the most beautiful and like there's no agenda as in I'm not coming to go okay now tonight we're going to talk about Mm. it was just well I'll explain why I'm here I'm here to facilitate this conversation hold the space and and it's okay if you don't want to say anything if you want to if you feel like you you want to speak to what you've just heard that's what it's there for um and then the online obviously has taken over the the in-person because we have to and that also works beautifully as well and what I love is the silences the moments when nothing is said where things are really you're allowing as you say here to have a to listen give yourself time to go what was it that resonated that that resonated um and so yeah and I'm going to do more of them because I think having conversations and opening up the conversation about death about your death about the death of someone you love I think it's really, really important. And I think you're doing yourself, your life, a big favor by doing mm-hmm. it. And this idea of like, like that a talk about death is morbid. It's you're actually talking about, you're talking about all of life. You're talking about the things that you, you're talking about love. <laughs> you're, it's, and then if, you, if you've experienced death, then you'll talk about that and and that will also be as natural as talking about love or talking about your life talking about who you love yeah it's mm. it's opening up that naturalness and the ease of 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 the conversation about death yeah. and that leading to you hopefully leading you to have conversations with those that you love mm. and go you know 
if this was me, I don't think I'd want this or, you know, mm. even in terms of advanced planning, so yes. important like that. And that's part of my training is to do that for myself. And I'm still in the process of doing that. Um, so I'm not like the, the professor of death, you know, and I'm like all done, packed away, all ready, ready to go. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a process of like, right. And it's, it's so rich and it's not at all, it, it doesn't make me feel heavy thinking mm. about my, it just makes me feel like there's an urgency to do this so that I it like it, it eases me actually it, yeah. it loosens up something in me mm. thinking about my own death and going what is it that I would want how do I want things for when when I have died you know yes and All I think things. it also takes the pressure off our family, you know, mm-hmm. or people that love us, that we have a plan in place and that it takes that pressure off them trying to decide what it is and the arguments and whatever later on. Yeah. I think it's knowing, you know, and as you said, making it a very beautiful experience that this is something I have planned and I would like it to be this add in your own little bits along the way, but yeah. this is something how I would like it. I think that is just beautiful. It's like planning your wedding or planning mm-hmm. a, a birthday. It's something that's very important. Yeah, it is part so of your life. Yes. And if you'd never given it thought at all ever, then think of what is the most, I don't know, just even as a prompt mm. of what is the one thing you would love to see <laughs> yes. happen yes. after your death. As opposed to the heavy, the the idea of like yeah. when the time comes, and you you're like what what it what what's the mm. I don't like legacy could be could yeah. be the thing. Well, I would yeah. love this. I would yes. love to have left this behind. I'd love if 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 mm. this could happen, or a tree would be planted in my memory. Yes. You know, those things are like oh, yeah. like beautiful. Yeah. And then you know, yeah. Yeah, and I think when we speak about death, it you've said it yourself there, it lends to talking about our lives, you know. Mm-hmm. And I've often done it when I've worked with groups and retreats, and I'd say, Well, what do you want to, as you said, be remembered by? What do you want people to say after you've passed? And they'll say, Oh, that she was this or he was that or whatever. And I said, And are you doing that now? And they'll go, No. And I said, Well, there you go. <laughs> If you want this to be said about you, this is something you want to do. Why are you stopping yourself in life mm. from doing this, but want someone to speak about it after you've passed yeah. from this world, you know, or died? This is teaching you how to live. Yeah. When you and, speak about your death. Yeah. And and it's that sense of like, no, you already matter. Like, and your death will matter. Your yes. death will matter a lot. Yeah. You will not be like, it, it will not be a small thing. And to have thought about your own death and gone, yeah, it is not a small mm. thing, but this is the ways in which I have seen my way to go. Mm. I would like for this yeah. to be the case when that mm. does happen. Like there's something really like I do think the ancestral thing, like we're doing good ancestral work yeah. when we when we meet these things that are difficult that are hard and we we meet them and go what's underneath there that I can that I can um make more gentle with all that is within me because we all have our gifts we all have the things that we are excellent at you know so that might be the place to start with what are you brilliant at yes and apply that to just one detail 
yeah. of, of the plan. Yeah. Beautiful, Ruth. Yeah. So everyone can check you out at The Holding Space. So it's yes. www.holdingspace.ie. Is that correct? The Holding, the holding the Space. Holdingspace. Yeah. .ie or www.theevertides.com as well. You're on Facebook, Ruth McGill. And um, I'll be sharing your beautiful picture, obviously, on the promo as well for this podcast. Um, but I really would ask people that are listening to just go in, rummage around, get mm -hmm. to see Ruth, you know, listen to her singing, but to listen throughout this, because that's what it has been for me. It's been quite, as you've been speaking, I have, I said, and I keep using the word flow because that's what I feel. I feel this very um, beautiful energy flow. And it's like that we are all just flowing through life. This conversation is just a flow. It's a natural mm -hmm. rhythm of something that's very natural but we make quite difficult mm -hmm. at times in our yeah. lives and in everybody else and this is what death or you know that passing from this life to death to it's energy it's all just energy moving mm -hmm. and we're moving along with it yeah if you had to say something that would be a last message if it was your last day on earth Ruth and you had to say something that would epitomize who you are in your life just today, not even thinking about your future, but mm -hmm. to this moment, what would it be? What, what line would you like to be remembered by? I know that's a hard question putting you on the spot. <laughs> um, I think it would be, it has always been about love. Mm. I think that's it because in my I'm also remembering Spike Milligan's I told you I was sick yeah. um, on his on his tombstone and I think it has always been about love yeah. will be uh, that's what I yeah mm. acts of this is an act of love, love. Yeah. yeah it's sharing it's, yeah yeah it's sharing your experience what you have to help other people experience and what you can share because of your experience in life. And I mm. always say, I love stories and I love telling other people's stories. So putting them all together and putting them out there mm -hmm. so that somebody else can share that, as you said, with somebody in their family and said, I heard the weirdest conversation today, you know, <laughs> about yeah. death and somebody being there as a mediator almost, you know, for mm -hmm. us. And, and that family member going, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe that's where it just starts. And maybe I would like that for myself. Maybe I would like someone to come in and support my family when that time comes. So or, they don't have to do this on their own. Or even, and I remember this from the training that Alexandra said, my, she said, my want, my wish is that we never need to bring, to bring in a doula, that we yeah. find the person within mm. who's like, I can do that. Yeah. I will do that. I will be that. You know, yeah. so even that, that you go, oh, I, I have that. Yeah. yeah. And maybe yeah. the death cafes will be a place that people can find that exactly. inner strength, you know, yes. that being comfortable in themselves with everything that's going on, sharing that open conversation with other people, you yeah. know. So again, checking out that death cafe as well. That's in that you could, that's on your Facebook page as well, I think, isn't it? Ruth? Yeah. I mean, there's death ca cafes all Everywhere. over the world so actually mm. you could find a virtual one anywhere but I probably yeah. will be uh, running another one soon enough I'd say good 
Yeah. And I think if anyone has listened to you today, they really want to join in that conversation, mm. even if they're yeah. a little bit nervous or dubious about it. Um, you know, that sometimes when we hear that voice and then we'll say, oh, I'd like to see that person. And even if it is just to sit back and listen and to observe exactly. that they're going to get something from it. Yeah. And that's yeah. totally respected that, yeah. that you don't you don't have to speak if you don't yeah. want to speak. You yeah. can just you can let it flow yeah. in and go. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well done, Ruth. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. So thank much you, with Sharon. Us. Thank you. This is such a beautiful, beautiful conversation. It really was so beautiful. And I feel actually so very peaceful. <laughs> I feel very peaceful after it because I think it's a conversation that we all need to have more <laughs> often. And I think your desk cafes are a million, a brilliant idea. And I just would ask people to maybe connect with you, but mm -hmm. check you out. Check out www.theholdingspace.ie with Ruth McGill, my beautiful guest. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you, Sharon. You're welcome. Thank you. So thank you, everybody. Um, that was a beautiful conversation. I really would love to hear your thoughts. Please do tag me or Ruth if you have any questions or you have any insights or if anything stuck out or resonated for you. Um, I think this is a conversation that will be continued at many a table maybe in the coming weeks. So thank you again, everybody. And I look forward to connecting with you all very soon. Stay well.